Previously on Fun Science Fiction. I was pretending to be a seal on the beach, and I was just saying, I'm a seal, and I'm on the beach, and here I go. Because they just can't, <laughs> poor little guys, they just hop, they can't really move around. Hi, this is Robin Curtis, and welcome to the Funny Science Fiction Podcast. The podcast where Star Wars, Star Trek, Stargate, and even Babylon 5 all live under one room. Just different sized rooms, of course. We have a special guest host today who will be here to help us interrogate, I, I mean, ask questions of today's guest in the hot seat. Shannon Perry is a former guest and the creator of the fantastic sci-fi podcast called The Oz Nine. Be sure to check that out. Thanks for joining us, Shannon. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, Shannon was on here before. She was an absolute hoot, and uh, we expect more <laughs> from that. Not to put too much pressure on you, Shannon, but yeah, we expect you to deliver. We so expect anyway. you to be hilarious. <laughs> That's right. All right, <laughs> and that all leads on us. Cue. <laughs> there you go. And go. Now that all leads us to our today's guest. Now you might recognize today's guest from her work in some Star Trek stuff. I say Star Trek stuff because she was obviously in Star Trek 3, Star Trek 4, and some episodes, and even a fan-made adaptation called Excelsior. Robin Curtis took over the role of Savick, playing the Vulcan character in Star Trek 3, The Search for Spock, and Star Trek 4, The Voyage Home. And we're super excited to talk a little Trek with you today, Robin. Thanks for being here, and thanks for joining us. Well, thank you, Tim. I'm excited to be here, too. Well, good. <laughs> Uh, we're yeah so we've been talking to you uh i've been talking to you rather for a little bit behind the scenes uh till you got a time where you could come up and, and and join us and i know you've been super busy so it means a lot to us that you're able to steal away a little time and and be on here with us today so we have a few questions for you uh nothing too serious uh, and uh you know we just want to have a good time so here we go super all right so star trek 3 and star trek 4 weren't the first or the last acting jobs that you had in hollywood in fact, you had quite the distinguished career, uh, several shows that helped define my youth, Knight Rider, MacGyver, uh, those are some of my favorites. I loved Knight Rider as a kid, that car was awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, perhaps you could share for us though what it was like for you to, st to step into such a high profile movie with an extremely popular nerd universe base behind your back. <laughs> oh gosh, um, well, uh... Uh, it was, it's, it's been fun recently. I, I actually, guys, I held on to my calendars from 1983 and 1984. I'm a little embarrassed actually uh, uh, as to how much stuff I've held on to. I have every paycheck I've ever received in, oh, that's cool. in the basement. Yeah, it is kind of cool. Only in the, in this moment, I can tell you, I met Letter Me Boy on June 28th, 1983 at 10 15 in the morning. And and I love that I can, you know, that I'm able to figure that out. So, so but let me go back. Let sure. me go back. So I grew up, I grew up in a small town, you know, where a little kid could be a big fish in a little pond. And we had a particularly um, extraordinary music teacher slash theater uh, uh, director. And so I was in the school musicals. And that's what I loved about theater and acting is that I came from a mu musical theater background. And I played all the the wenches and the and the uh, uh, the great women of musical theater, like Aldunza in *Man of La Mancha* and Nancy okay. and Oliver and Eve and Applause and and uh, uh, in any case, uh, uh, I went to college and I pursued the same uh, uh, avocations in college, uh, the extracurricular activities like theater and, and 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 voice and stuff like that. And I, you know, people just assume because you became an actress, that's what you wanted to be. But that's not what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a homicide detective. Oh, wow. And I, I was consumed by murder from a young age. Um, I grew up with, with um, uh, Richard Speck, you know, mm -hmm. this very bad man who killed some nurses in Chicago. And I was obsessed with the nurse that survived. And I grew up with um, In Cold Blood, you know, by Truman Capote. And I was obsessed with the Clutter family. And, and what if that had been my family? So I used to do murder drills as a kid and literally, you know, practice escaping from various parts of the house oh, and, wow. and then climbing up a ladder, jumping from windows and climbing up a ladder to, 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 <laughs> to save, you know, my, my fellow family members. My point being that, that, be, that I became an actress was, was a big left curve to begin with. 
And I went to New York. Um, another good friend who graduated from college a year ahead of me said, you want to go to New York together and see, see how it goes? And I, and I really didn't have any better prospect at that point. I had a liberal arts degree, which literally qualifies you to do pretty much nothing. And so <laughs> off I, you know, I went to the city and I just, I lucked in to a cute little one bedroom apartment. We slept in a trundle bed, she and me, you know, one of us pulled out and there was no more floor square footage to be had. And, and, uh, and I got a great waitressing job and another pal from college invited me to audition for a little, uh, a little musical, a, a, an original musical written by sort of a, a, a Sondheim protege, if you will. Uh, so the music was particularly good and the lyrics very complex and, I got, I got into it and, and I got an agent. I, I got an agent just for being in this one, within six months of being in the city, I had an agent. I mean, that's, that's breathtaking when you think wow. about it. This, this girl from Podunk, you, you know, uh, who, who really was so, I was so inexperienced and so unambitious and, and, and really not as talented uh, uh, as, as my, my competition, but but I lucked out and I, I got my first national commercial for Oil of Olay uh, within a month or two of signing. Uh, and and so, so fast forward, three years later, my, my lovely agents in the city said, you know, Robin, we think you would do so much better in Los Angeles. So in January of 1982, I go out to LA, I'm 25 years old and, and uh, 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 I meet the casting department at Paramount. My, my manager sets up meetings all over town like I'm somebody when really I'm not. Uh, only, only the casting departments don't know. You know, he's sort of, he's playing the you don't know her card. She's coming and she's from New York and all this business. And I met a woman by the name of Elsa Bergeron and I want to give her 100% credit. She's married to Michael Gross from Family Ties. Okay. Lovely, elegant woman. She said, where were you when we were casting Winds of War? Uh, that was when they cast, uh, uh, I believe it was uh, uh, Jane Seymour in mm -hmm. the, in the uh, 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 sequel. Uh, Ellie McGraw was in the original. A, a full year plus later, she remembers me for the Star Trek project. And at that time, guys, everything was very secretive. So mm -hmm. we didn't know what the part was. Um, uh, I, I simply went to meet Elsa Bergeron and the head of casting, Stuart Jensen. And I offhandedly said, uh, you know, if I were to be a part of the franchise, I would love to play an alien. I didn't know what the character was, but I thought that I would somehow manage that better than, than having to play straight, you know, uh, as, a, as a human and react to all these crazy science fiction-y things these nerdery things, uh, uh, to use your word, um, Tim. Say, wait and, a minute, that's my word. I know, <laughs> that's a good one, I'm feeling it. And so in any case, I'm sorry, long answer to, to your question. I go back, I, I, I go back the next day, I'm invited to meet Leonard Nimoy. And I, up until that point, guys, I, uh, I had never known such a gentle uh, introductory experience to somebody of his caliber. You know, normally when you when you have a shot at something and 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 it's you know it involves the studio and it's a big deal, there are a dozen people in the room and you have no idea who who, who is the important per person, the person that you need to impress, the person who's really making the decisions, could be head of film, could be the producers, could be the writer, could be the casting director, <clears throat> director's assistant. But all these people are there and you're usually not introduced to anybody in particular. You might get direction and that that now identifies who the director was in the room, kind of thing. But essentially, you know, you, you do your thing and you leave and you have no idea whether you connected with anybody. But this was one-on-one -on -one with Leonard Nimoy. And, and of course I was aware of, of the original series. My older brother was a big Trekker back in the day, big Trekkie. And, and I remember the series. Now, of course, you know, the profundity of it and, 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 and Gene Roddenberry's intelligence went right over my little prepubescent adolescent head. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I, was, I was all wrapped up in the women, you know, the really, yeah. really sexy women. And, and uh, you, you know, it was normally Kirk, but every now and then, you know, they threw a bone to, to uh, Leonard Nimoy's character Spock, you know, and he would be in the cave with Marriott Hartley. And I, I just thought all of that was, <laughs> I thought that was titillating. 
and and I would drool over <laughs> over the women, you know, the big breasted women and the mini skirts and the high boots and all of the suggestive dialogue between Kirk and the women, you know, the 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 relevance and the and significance mm -hmm. of the first interracial kiss went right by me. I was more I was more uh, involved and engaged with the dynamic, the fact that some alien was making Kirk and Uhura do this thing, you know, and I'm sure, like, yeah. Anyway, anyway, I, I, that's how Star Trek got into my DNA. In any case, I was aware of the, the, the enormity of the moment for me as a young actress. Leonard Nimoy was kind, he was generous. He, he actually asked me about my sad little credits on my resume. You know, my resume was a bit weak oh. at the time. And he's asking me about these musical theater credits in Ogunquit, Maine and Auburn, New York, you know, <laughs> in these little dinner theater situations. And so I, he, he, just, he just revealed himself to be this classy, kind man. And, and he said, you know, would you read some sides with me? And, and sides guys are the the little the little scenes they're willing to share with you from the overall project. Oh, okay. I, said, well, I said, well, of course. And and he said, and do you mind? I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on tape. Do do you mind if I film this? And I said, not at all. And so and so what that did was I go out in the waiting room. He's given me some things to think about. I remember his assistant Teresa Victor was very kind if I had a question. And I go back in and I'm reading these scenes from from the beginning of the film with with uh, uh, Kirk's son's character, David. Okay, um, yeah. And, uh, and the reason it's significant that Leonard put this on film and taped it was that it saved me the trouble that the, the, those, those big auditions I mentioned earlier where there's a lot of people in the room, uh, uh, it saved me from having to repeat whatever I did in the room with, with Leonard, just one-on-one -on -one in a very sort of unintimidating uh, setting I didn't have to go back and try to recreate and you know with the pressure mounting each time you go back and and, and, and you know you've got a shot and you're getting ever closer to maybe being cast and and so I mean this man in one fell swoop got to know me uh we we, we read the sides uh he, he he took my hand at the end of uh the the, the meeting as I was walking <laughs> out and said Robin, I have no doubt you can play the part which I thought was a, you know like a crazy fabulous thing to say to me as I'm leaving, uh, he said, but now it's up to the powers that be. And I understood, you know, the, 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 there were, were the mucky mucks above him, mm -hmm. you know, that also needed to weigh in. Right. And I, I ultimately, you know, I went back to meet Harv Bennett. I was sent over in July, I think, this was in late June, in July, I was sent over just to knock on Harv Bennett's door at Paramount and say hi. And I did, and it was lovely. He, you know, by the way, he turned out to be also, uh, like wired a bit like Leonard, he, he, he knew how to spread the love, so to speak. And I don't know if the two of them agreed that, that, that when I was finally cast, that they wouldn't make me feel as though I needed to follow in someone else's footsteps that, I mean, you know, without realizing it, I think they took a very, a very generous tack. And that was that it was as if the part was never played before. Certainly mm -hmm. the plot points were honored, but but that, you, you know, it was as if Savick was born in that moment. And now Leonard and the actress would 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 create their own collaborative uh, character um, with each other. And I thought that was so brilliant because, you know, it, it can be kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It, you, you know, you can feel very unsure of yourself. Mm -hmm. it, it's frightening enough showing up to a major motion picture set for the first time, especially when you feel somewhat insecure about the fact that you're trying to play someone unemotional when that's not really who you are at all. And mm -hmm. you've taught all your life to, to exude and to emote and to, and to reveal, you know, your inner feelings. Um, uh, I, I, that alone for me was a huge hurdle. <laughs> and, and I swear, I thought I was going to get a pink slip the whole like first week to two weeks to three weeks. And then I realized, oh, we're so far in now, they can't fire me. But I sincerely thought I was gonna get fired. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. That could be overwhelming. I could... Pardon? I said, I could see how that could be overwhelming. Well, well, I, I, I can only relate it to, to me. I, I, because again, I, I, if, if you know me, I'm, I, I, I'm so transparent and I, I, I couldn't fib if I tried. 
my heart's on my sleeve. I cry at McDonald's commercials. Um, you know, my, my, my family, my, my, I have two brothers and a, and a dad. And, and whenever we watched a, you know, a particularly emotional film together, they would always look at my mother and I, and we'd be weeping, you oh know, so, so I'm a weeper. I'm and right there with you. Are you? <laughs> I am. I am uh, right there with you. <laughs> yeah. I, I get, I get emotional when I'm happy and I get emotional when I'm sad and, 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 and have a difficult time hiding it. And so the notion of being, it was almost like a, like a dirty trick, you know, let's, <laughs> let's give her her first big role in a major motion picture and she can't be emotional. It was like, oh my God. <laughs> no, everything that you know about you. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly, Tim. So, so, but in any case, um, the good news is Harv Bennett was, was, was a gentleman. Um, I, I like to share I, I unearthed these um, these telegrams that I saved from him, and and they're 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 so they're so dear. Um, first, he sends congratulations and welcome to the family. My fondest wishes for a happy voyage, and and then he How says, lovely, right? And then he says, welcome aboard the good ship Enterprise. Have a wonderful trip. Fondly, Harv Bennett. That, oh, that, that, awesome. that was for the first two movies. Oh, how and then lovely. the second, or uh, th th those two telegrams came to me from the first two movies, but then he sent the one that was the most intriguing. And unfortunately <laughs> the, plot, the plot line didn't go that way. He says, he says uh, just before we started shooting um, Star Trek four, I too am delighted you are with us, have a wonderful shoot and bring a Vulcan obstetrician along just in case, love heart. <laughs> But of course, uh, they they cut the dialogue. They cut the dialogue um, with regard to uh, Savick perhaps being pregnant with Spock's uh, baby from the beginning of Star Trek IV. It was there, and then and then it got cut away. So in any case, just just wonderful people. And Leonard kept his promise. You know, I showed up at the, the first day of work, and I said, Mr. Nemo, you seem to think I know what I'm doing, uh, but I really, really don't. And, and, and he said, he said, Robin, I'll take you every step of the way. You'll never be out on that limb. Um, um, I, you know, I won't, I won't do that to you. And so he, he probably directed me in a way, but I, I fully invited him to, I welcomed it uh, in a way that another actress might find insulting. Uh, Cause we would literally go sit down before every scene and he'd, he'd say, okay, he'd say, let me hear it. Let me hear it. And I'd say the lines, and if I wasn't saying the lines in, in, in you know, quite in, in the Vulcan way that he preferred, he, he, he would say it for me. And I'd be like, this is fabulous. Yeah, exactly. Like, Why don't you just do it, Leonard? Exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm a mimic, and, and, I, and I just, you know, that's anyway, awesome. that's how we, that's kind of how we did it together. That's how we rolled. Well, you perfectly and, led into my next question. And because <laughs> I only get like three, I'm going to jump in and ask <laughs> it <laughs> before it gets preempted. Oh, you know, as a, as a fan of, you know, the Star Trek universe, and as particularly as a fan of Leonard Nimoy, who I grew up with, I think I'm right about your age or right around that age. 64. And, yeah, 53. You're younger. Yeah. <laughs> Don't yeah. say it. Still, in any event, a, a, a huge fan of Leonard Nimoy. And, and it is so wonderful to hear that this person that you thought was a hero really was in real in real life right like because yeah. who didn't love spock as a kid oh. he was you you were either team kirk or team spock and i was all team spock right so <laughs> as they would say these days uh, so my question to you is to be tried to be brief here uh for me uh what was it like to be directed by leonard nimoy it sounds like it was a fabulous experience can you tell us about that Absolutely. Uh, again, he, you know, I identified my, my lack of confidence right out of the gate and I made it clear to him. I welcome, I welcome your direction. Um, I'm depending on your direction. Um, uh, so for instance, again, you know, we, we, we would go sit by ourselves and he would listen to me say the lines, but he also had, and I think this is a, a director's gift as well, um, he, he had the ability to kind of disarm you. Um, uh, for instance, before the last scene in the film where the Katra ritual has been performed and we're, and we're not 100% sure if, if Spock's soul has been restored mm -hmm. um, uh, and, and he is, he's walking away and then he turns back and, and the way they shot the scene, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. he, he's, he's going down the line. Of yeah, each, Morgan Freeman, yeah. 
friend, each colleague to see, does he remember them? Does he, you know, and for them to behold his face, et cetera. And, and he, I was first in line and he came up to me just before we shot the scene and he, and he stepped into my space, maybe in a way that he hadn't quite before. We, we, were, we were face to face and, and he kind of put his face past mine and whispered in my ear. He said, so he said, Robin, he said, how would you feel if you're walking down a New York City street and you see someone, someone's now walking towards you that you were intimate with, that, that, you, that you loved in your past? And I, and I, you know, and now, and now his head is, you know, pulling away from mine and, and I, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm almost overwhelmed by the question, but I appreciate the question and I'm about to try, I'm sort of in that mode of looking for the words to answer such a, such a personal mm-hmm. question. And I, and I, and I, and, and in my sort of shyness and, um, not embarrassment, but just, just, I was blushing a little bit, you know, I looked up at him and then I looked down and he said, that's it. And then when I looked back, he said, that's what I want. And I went, oh, okay. So you do want her to kind of almost be overwhelmed in that moment, beholding you fully, uh, uh, as you, as you re greet us. And, and, and he said, yeah, okay, that's it. So, so he, he, he was like that, you know what I mean? He, he was, he was gentle. He's not a, He's not a, um, he's a very accommodating director. I remember we, we, we choreographed the whole scene where Kirk comes down and, and his son has been killed. And uh, we choreographed it, but Bill wasn't there. And then Bill came out of his trailer and suddenly he didn't like the, the choreography. Um, the way, the way it, we, we were on a hill and I mm-hmm. happened to be standing higher up on the hill than Bill. And that made me taller simply by virtue of the, of the plane of the, 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 the the planet surface <laughs> places, you know, we did the old switch rule. So, so he, he would be taller than I was honestly, you know, I think back and, 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 and because people always ask me what my impressions of bill and, and he was, he was distant, he was removed. Mm-hmm. And I have learned since that he was extremely pr- under pr- a lot of pressure, ex- you know, b- because he was I, apparently, going to a, a job right after this. And so he was rarely, rarely on set. He was always in his trailer. Whereas I kind of hung out with Walter and Jimmy and Michelle oh. and, and so on and Merritt, you know, we all hung out. Not yeah. at all jealous here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but, but, but is, you know, if I say removed or distant I would also add brilliant. I really think he's brilliant. And, and my admiration grew grew more greatly later on when I watched him in Boston Legal. Mm-hmm. And I felt like he and, he and um, uh, James Spader created one of the most interesting male-male relationships I'd ever seen mm-hmm. in anything creative. You know, my other favorite is Shawshank Redemption. You, you know, Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman, or Morgan, mm-hmm. yeah. Freeman, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course there's always, Kirk and, and Spock. I, I, I really love their relationship too. But in any case, did I answer your question? Huh? You did. You did. But I think it's interesting that we see, you know, Spock was the character who was the emotionally distant one, Kirk being the much more fiery, passionate one. But it sounds like it's almost the reverse of that in real life. Maybe so. Maybe so. I, I think I think Bill has a sense of humor, but it's just, I don't get it. It's not my <laughs> It's a very sarcastic <laughs> sense of humor. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that I, I never, feel that. That's just, <laughs> just right by, like, what? I don't get it. It's there. Yeah. Nobody yeah. gets it, but it's there. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, that's lovely here. Thank you. You're welcome. My pleasure. So just a few years ago, you got to reprise your role as part of a fan production, Starship Excelsior? Yes, yes, yes. So what was it about the fan production that appealed to you? And what was it like revisiting that character? Well, I think I, I think right off the bat, I was I was tickled pink that you know somebody would call me out of the ether, uh, out of my you know uh, distant life in in upstate New York selling real estate, you know, to come out and have fun. Um, I I find uh, voiceover work especially fun, and I'm sorry that I didn't focus on that a little more. I did work um, periodically in in voiceover commercials, that type of thing. Um, uh, I just really love. I, you know, anybody who's musical would do really well, I think, in voiceover work. I, at least that, that's how I explain why I had such an affinity for it. 
um, uh, so in any case, it was it was a voiceover, and uh, and it was really fun. Now, you know, thirty five years later, um, you know, for, for for me to sort of inhabit the character a little more. You know, she was more inside me than than she was at the time. The pressure was different; it was less. And I just think I enjoyed the hell out of those guys. Um, uh, they, they directed me quite quite nicely, um, as I recall. So it was just kind of fun to come out and play and to be a part of something that Walter did. Uh, well, now, did, did Nichelle participate as well? I think it was just Walter. I think it was just Walter. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, so, so, th so that's really why I enjoyed it so much, was just, just getting on my feet and doing something creative. Um, when you when you're out of it for so many years, something like that, it's like getting an invitation to Disneyland or something. You know, <laughs> it's it's just a lot of fun, really enjoyable. Would be nice. Awesome. So one of the things I, I've I've noted a couple different times, and, and by a couple different times, I mean almost every episode of this show, uh, is that I, it, historically I have not been the biggest Star Trek fan, and I'm it's one of those things that I'm getting to know better, and I'm working to know better. Uh, because so many people who, who listen to this show, who follow our Facebook group, mm -hmm. are massive Trek fans. And so in order to, to uh, have a connection with them and understand what it was about this universe that they liked, I've, I've tried to get into, the, into it a little bit more. Uh, growing up, I was always more of a, a Star Wars fan, just to be perfectly clear and on the record. Uh, you guys... Yeah, you guys, you guys were talking about, you know, the, the male-to-male relationships earlier, and I'm, I wanted to be like, I had Han and Chewy. Um, but anyway, <laughs> he says growing up, he means yesterday. I meant this morning, <laughs> Kathleen. Let's be fair. Uh, so now I want to talk to you a little bit. You mentioned this earlier uh, a little bit. You said it got removed from the script from episode four. Now, leading up to that, it was always my understanding. We're not going to go too much into depth on this, but it was always my understanding that um, Pon Far was, was never referenced before Star Trek Three. I was wrong. Uh, actually, there's oh. an original series seat, uh, episode. Uh, I had to look this up, so I, I'm going to tell you what I learned. So laughs and knowledge, that's what we're bringing. All right, so uh, there is an episode entitled uh, A Mock Time, where Kirk and Bones have to take Spock back to Vulcan to partake in the ritual and save his life. Okay. Um, now, of course, in Star Trek Three, a young Spock also goes through this. And in some early versions of, of Star Trek IV, from what I was, from what I had read, and what you were clearly alluded to earlier, mm -hmm. uh, your character was with child, uh, presumably we'll call him for the moment Spock Jr. Um, now, <laughs> I've seen you discuss this this topic to varying de uh, details in other interviews, but what do you think it would have been like to portray a pregnant? Vulcan, because this is uh, a very emotional experience being being thrust upon an emotionless, not emotionless, but nearly emotionless race. Yeah. So it, it's, I'm wondering how a Vulcan would approach pregnancy logically. I, I, well, I didn't spend a lot of time thinking that through, to be honest, Tim, but, I, but it did just the paradox I thought would be um provocative and and challenging you know again you know this enormously hormonal you know traditionally hormonal emotional time for a woman for a female uh, yeah uh, played by <laughs> Vulcan you know character uh, yeah I, I I thought there might be some some room for some interesting humor there um, yeah you know that's one of the things I I like about Star Trek uh, is that it always, you know, finds a way to inject the humor in a situation. Um, so it, it, in any case, uh, uh, I, I, like I said, I didn't think it through too much, but at the time, I because I wasn't as familiar with the franchise, I was listening to the fans. And the okay. fans, you know, my, my, you know, early on, I think even like within a week of being cast, there were some people in my manager's office in Los Angeles saying we want her for a convention. And I said, oh my God, why would anybody want to hear me talk about anything? You know, I just, I just couldn't even think that I would remotely live up to something like that. And then I got I got over it. You know, I, I got way over it because I realized mm -hmm. it was inevitable. It's a part of it. And, and, and uh, uh, you know, I needed to jump in. And mm -hmm. I'm so glad I did. I mean, I've, I've just, I've, the whole convention experience 
<coughs> excuse me, has, has been so, so enriching, so rewarding. I, I think more for me than even the fans. Like, like I, I, I've made so many friends all over the world. I've traveled. I, 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 it's just the gift that, that has been, you know, relentless. Uh, in my life, um, um, you know, we paused during the pandemic, but I understand we're going to fire up later this summer. Uh, there's a convention in Vegas, I believe. Nice. Uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Ticonderoga. Shatner. Shatner's going to be up in Northern New York with James Collins up at the, up at the uh, uh, you know, the Star Trek Museum up there. Nice. Uh, yeah. So, so. Fingers crossed. Toes crossed. Where's my shoelaces? Yeah. Oh, we'll all be masked, and it'll you know everybody will behave themselves, but. In any case, um, going back to what you were asking me about Savic being pregnant, I, I really enjoyed the fans' anticipation and expectation that that was where this plot line was going, and it was there, it was their uh, con conjecture and, and projection of that, that that made me think, well, of course that's where it's going, you know, and the fact that they negotiated for the film, so so the whole thing about casting me in the part and uh, you know it had been offered to Kirsty for sure Savick had been offered mm -hmm. to Kirsty and the graceful way or the gracious way both graceful and gracious gracious way in Hollywood of saying yeah no I don't want to do that part it's simply an atrocious amount of money and so <laughs> and so that's what she did and and the result was what she wanted which was they passed the studio passed and 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 I remember when I was cast, I thought, oh gosh, I sure hope my good fortune hasn't come as, you know, as a result of someone else's misfortune. Mm -hmm. And at the time, at the time, she was doing um, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof at the Mark Taper Forum. I mean, what actress wouldn't give a, you know, an, a, an organ to play that part, <laughs> you know, to play Maggie. And, uh, and another friend, James Morrison, who, who you might see an actor, wonderful actor um, uh, at the Star Trek conventions, um, uh, played Brick. And uh, uh, and I think she was maybe it wasn't Cheers, but she was on on uh, the schedule to do a pilot of some kind. So she had other career, you know, opportunities going on at the time. And and uh, where was I going with all that? Oh, um, the fact that they negotiated for four movies when they right. negotiated mm -hmm. for Star Trek Three. So it was the fans and and the the studio's position with me that way that made me think, oh, I'm going to be working. I'm going to be working, you know, three more movies up down the line. Right. And, and and so, of course, it came as a, you know, a rude, a rude and unwelcome, uh, but but nevertheless, I'm still grateful. Uh, uh, Notice that that I was only, you know, in the movie, they were essentially kicking Savick to the curb. I was only in the film for, you know, a, a couple of scenes at the beginning of four. But, you know, I read the script and I said, gosh, darn it. You know, there's only so much room in the story for everybody. And right. I love I that in my mind, Star Trek four brought the brought the franchise back to their winning, mm -hmm. winning recipe, if you will, or formula. Right. Yeah. Humor. Back to the roots. Good ensemble acting, a simple message, pres preservation of life. You know, mm -hmm. um, I, it's one of the I enjoyed it a, a great deal. Star Trek four. It had awesome. whales. <laughs> it had whales, exactly. <laughs> and I think it would Hello, have been computer. interesting. It would have been interesting to see the the pregnancy plot line actually happen, especially because later in the Star Trek franchise, in Deep Space Nine, they explain they go into the Bajoran pregnancies, and I think that it would have been interesting to have gone from a Vulcan pregnancy to the Bajoran having her sneeze during pregnancy, having that be Kira's big pregnancy symptom was sneezing. Right. I think it would have been interesting if they had continued with the Vulcan pregnancy as well. And, I, and I've often thought that they, they could have come back to the character later in time mm -hmm. and introduced the, the child, whatever the child was, girl, boy. You know, I thought that would, would have been interesting too, mm -hmm. even though they might not have seized the moment then, but to, but to circle back, but. Yeah, I just wanted to see what Vulcan cravings were like. You know, right? <laughs> I want to see a. I want to see that hormonally irrational Vulcan. Like, I know I was not rational. I don't want to say that what happens be because you know my wife listens to this, and yeah. uh, I, you know I, I want to say that the dad gets the dad's the one that deals with the hormones that would have been hilarious like, that would have been way fun if Spock was actually the one who was dealing with all of the cravings, the hormones. Been and, awesome. 
it's like peanut butter and pickles. I realize it's irrational, but that's what I want. <laughs> and the baby would have been that. a quarter human, right? So that would have been an interesting thing to. Right, exactly. And that's why I wanted to see where that was. That's why I always wanted to see where that would go because, you know, there's, there's so many avenues where you could take this and so many things that you could theorize about it. It's just, it's a lot of fun to kind of to chit chat and, and, you know, have a discussion in the nerdery. So. (laughs) So it is universal that funny moments happen behind the scenes of any movies. I mean, when you're filming for that long and you're with that, the same people that long, funny things happen. So are there stories you can share funniest memories from working with the cast and crew yeah what's your well, favorite story i i i could i think i could probably uh, muster up one or two um <laughs> so so uh one of my favorites was was christopher lloyd and i've told this before i apologize for those who've heard it um you know i j- just the difference between us my observations of him and and and, and my own experience i I could tell he was just a totally visceral actor. He didn't have to understand what stuff was, what he was holding, what what, what the um, scrunchy special effect of, of you know crab like wormy things were around Spock's um, burial robe or or whatever the torpedo that he went down to the planet in. He he just he you know and whereas I was obsessed about. Why is this in my hand? What am I to, which part of it am I talking into? Why do I have such deep pockets on my flak jacket? You know, like I wanted to understand everything. And, and I don't know really to what, to, you know, cumulatively what all that meant or lent itself in my performance. I, I probably not much, I don't know. But with Christopher, he, he, he so, so, so in the scene where he comes, he's there and he, he says, what do I find? You know, this weakling human, um, uh, uh, I, I can't even remember how he identifies us, but at the end of it all, he reaches down, he picks up the 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 um, phaser. No, not the phaser. What is it called? <laughs> what is it called? It's a communicator. Yes. Yeah. And, and 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 you, you it's it's a visual thing, but but his arms would go totally wide, and he would scream to the heavens, "Speed me up!" And and Leonard would say, "Cut, cut, cut." Yeah, Christopher, you. You, you need to put it, put, put the communicator next to your face, you know, like you're talking into it. Oh, oh yeah. And so, so he would start the whole little, little soliloquy again and, and reach that point and he'd bend down, pick it up. And once again, beat me up, you know, and, and it just, it was hard to keep a straight face, you know, cause there we are all, we're supposed to be all intimidated and uh, obedient uh, on our knees on the planet surface. And David has just died. And anyway, um, so, so that, that was pretty hilarious watching him. Uh, uh, and then the only other thing I can think of guys, honestly, we shot it toward the beginning of the shoot, you know, how things go out of, out of sequence yet. This was the end of the movie. Uh, we, we were out at the, uh, uh, the only time we were on location that I can recall, we went to Occidental college to shoot the, the scene where the Katra ritual takes place. And okay. we're, we're, we're accompanying uh, Spock's um, uh, body into the, you know, proceeding into the, um, the, uh, the altar, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm, I'm behind, I'm, I'm situated, choreographed behind Bill. And, and, and at one of those times he said to all of us just before we went in, because, you know, Dame Judith Anderson is inside waiting for us mm-hmm. in the scene. And he said, he says, um, let's all sing. There ain't nothing like a name. <laughs> I'm like, oh God. And I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, oh, I don't think this is going to go over well because I, you know, my name's Robin and I can't tell you how many times I got from, from men of a certain generation, you know, that really they just, they would meet me and they had to sing and the red, red Robin goes bob, bob, bobbing along, along. So, so I was like, you know, I, I kind of felt like it was one of those moments for Dame Judith where she's heard it before. She's heard it before. No, don't make us do it. But we had to. Action. <laughs> and then I, and I don't even know how the song goes. There ain't nothing like a dame. Uh, it's, it's from uh, the musical, right? Um, mm-hmm. About baseball. Um, in any case, that, that went over like a lead balloon. But, but we, 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 um, <laughs> we, we, um, um, it's hard to tell with Dame Judas. She doesn't crack a smile very often. But uh, we, we, I also, I will tell you this, and this isn't really funny, but because sometimes working on a set can be so 
tedious. I mean, and I really don't mean that, that's not, I don't mean to sound insulting to, to the profession, um, just that it's a lot of hurry up and wait and you repeat mm -hmm. things quite frequently. Sure. So there I, was, there I was that day right behind Bill. And I thought, well, I'm gonna try, I'm gonna try to find the seam between where his hair, real hair begins and where, and where that fabulous piece he's wearing starts. And, and I, I thought I found it. I thought I found it. And, 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 that, and, and that was just my own little private uh, uh, game that I played with myself um, because someone, <sighs> someone was working his hair every two seconds, you know, the, 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 they would come over with a pick and make, make sure it was all in place. And, and rightfully so, because he's awesome and he's brilliant and he's the star. But so that was, that was Robin's little, little. Um, but you really looked like you were concentrating. Like exactly, you were so exactly. focused. My mindless focus <laughs> was, I, I, you know, I was, I was trying to exercise science fiction-y um, powers, you know, looking like, like, like a laser right through his layers. Anyway. I'm being silly now. Sorry. Oh, two things out of that, out of your, out of your stories. Number one, when you said men of a certain age, the only, uh, instantly my mind went to the, uh, the Jingle Bells version of Batman smells Robin laid an egg. And that's where my mind went to. So uh, I don't know which that's probably the prepubescent uh, age group that you were talking about. Uh, and then frankly, the last story, that's my favorite. Uh, the fact that you're looking at for, to find the hairline <laughs> i'm like yep that's that yeah she, and, and the, the worst part is you led into that saying it wasn't funny and that was, it hilarious. was that's <laughs> but how many people if given the opportunity would stand studying the back of his head with the i'm gonna find it oh yeah i totally would yeah. I, yeah, I think right? everybody who has ever looked at his hair would be like where is it I know it's there. Oh, totally well done. Well, because the truth is, he he he, he wears it well. Mm -hmm. But I mean, like like it's the best it's the best piece I've ever seen, ever, ever. And if we ever get him on the show, we'll talk about it. <laughs> he, he's beautiful and he's a handsome man. He's an attractive man. I, you know, that's the other thing. I'm sorry we're talking so much about Bill, but oh my God, he's what is he ninety? He just turned ninety. Just turned ninety, yeah. And he's so. Every, I mean, he, he's erudite. He's he's in good health. He's 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 sexy. He's he's just as good as he ever was. It's, it's like, what? clearly what? all that running around without your shirt on is very good for you. And he's he's, he's making my forty five look very sloppy. So he's making my twenty eight not look so hot either. I, I saw the posts about him turning ninety, and I'm like, N wait, what? Yeah. No. No way. Papers. Yeah. No. Amazing no. stuff. Yeah. So you did a lot of sci-fi, right? Not just Star Trek, but there was a lot of, there was just a lot of science fiction in your, in your acting career. Word, so, word gets around, Shannon. Yeah, that was, that was basically. You're willing to, to have a prosthetic yeah. on your head or face or some part of your body. Yeah, this, act, <laughs> this actress won't cave in and, and have, you know, uh, paranoia, schizophrenia right, in, right. In, in special makeup. Yeah, <laughs> right, that, yeah, exactly. It's some sort of dysmorphic experience. But I'm actually curious about that, like, was that intentional or were, was it just because they said, oh, here's somebody who's good at acting with somebody who's wearing a, you know, some sort of crazy lizard costume. I mean, I think of the, the dog thing that Christopher Lloyd was kind of petting that sort of dinosaur lizard dog thing. Yes. Like, yes. not every actor is going to be comfortable with that. Right. So was that part of the reason that you were you were constantly being tapped to do this kind of role? Well, in, in fairness, it wasn't terribly constant, but I but I, I do think that that the Babylon 5 folks d definitely figured out if somebody was willing to do it over there they're going to be willing to do it over here with mm -hmm. us you know and, and and so the two things incestuously crossed over one another sure. um um i did enjoy i have to say i did enjoy talera it turns out the more the more covered up you are the braver you are go figure and and i'm not i'm not like i don't play halloween like other people do. I've never wanted to be in a costume, but 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 once they put that wig and and the forehead on me for Talera and uh and I had that sort of again a sort of a, a, a militaristic um mm -hmm. uh, uniform um you know the character came and mm -hmm. and I and I I've I just watched that a, a two or three weeks ago gambits one and two for the first time in over 30 years. And and I was um quite um 
impressed by the cast and by the story and 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 that I I, I thought I, I did a, a competent job. I, I I've never been able better to than competent. Stabbing, but but thank you. Oh, thank you. Good gravy. Thank you. Um, uh, so so consequently, being hired on Babylon Five and being completely covered from from, <laughs> from pretty much the bosom up, you know, wasn't me except my eyeballs and my and my tongue. Uh, uh, that I felt even more brave, but didn't have quite as much to do. You know, right. sentience crimes against sentience. You know, uh, uh, and there, <laughs> you know, that that cast is 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 a lot of fun. Julie Caitlin Brown. That was a fun thing to have in common with her because we had done the get we were guest stars on on um, the next generation together and mm -hmm. then she had a regular part on on Babylon 5 so so yeah so I mean it's, it's clearly it worked for her as well right this this, uh, this reputation that, that that you can cope with uh futuristic stuff and and weird makeup <laughs> yeah and I, I think that I think that's really important and it makes a lot of sense that you are able to respond to a creature who maybe doesn't have great facial expressions to play off of like right. that's a skill that's a skill set yeah. so yeah. this I, person I isn't remember. allergic to latex that isn't allergic to latex exactly or right gum uh, or anything else doesn't, doesn't break out right. um, uh, i i do remember drawing the line though i had i did have a standard uh i was i was uh, set to 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 go to a callback for uh, the king one of the king kong films linda hamilton ultimately was cast um, and, and I believe in the film, Kong, King Kong and Queen Kong find one another. And, and I think they have one of them in a gymnasium about to receive a heart transplant. And I said to my agent, I said, I just can't do it. I can't do it. I can't play that. Homie can't act that. Because I, 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 I was supposed to be a physician or something aiding the operation. And I'm just like, I can't do it. Don't make me do it. Please don't make me go pretend that. And so, and so I, I didn't go to my callback on that one. <laughs> nice. Fair, fair. So as Tim has already mentioned, he is very much Team Star Wars versus being Team right. Star Trek. Right. And we know that not every franchise is for every person, but I do have a question on how you would go about converting Tim from the Church of Star Wars to becoming a disciple of Trek. Oh, well, that's not fair. Um, um, I, you know, I, I, I like Star Wars, but, but I, but if I had to pick one, I would go for Star Trek and, and, and guys, full confession here. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of science fiction. It's not, it's not the entertainment that I go to or gravitate to naturally. Um, but I think when you look, when you look at who Gene Roddenberry was as a human being and his philosophies and, and and this enormously positive um, outlook that he projected in his storytelling and, and, and the way he exposed human foibles and, but always was striving to, you know, send the message of tolerance and the embracing of diversity and so on. It's like, we need a message like that more than ever now. Um, and, and all of that, as I said, I was joking earlier, you know, that as a prepubescent, I was drawn to the erotic aspect of Star Trek. You know, Gene liked his ladies. <laughs> and, um, and, and Nagel was one of the best dames I've ever met, his wife, you know. Uh, uh, but ultimately, um, uh, he, 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 told, he told important stories and, 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 you know, we've all scratched our head. What is it about Star Trek and fandom and everything else? But it's more often than not, it's, you know, people come up to me and say it made a difference in their lives. It gave them, it gave them hope when they were the most discouraged. Um, uh, and, That's awesome. and I, I stand by that. I, I stand by that. I don't know if Star Wars does that uh, really, but, but I know Star Trek does. Oh yeah. Yeah. Tim's not. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's my thing. It's my jam. It's what I do. Yeah, baby. Have, have they held up for you over the years? I mean, has, yes. has, has it stayed? I mean, there's things, there's things about each movie that I like or don't like. And I think that's, that's true for any fan who's, you know, uh, passionate about, about the, the series or, or the fandom that they're, they're a part of. Um, so there's things that I would, I would like to have seen done differently. Um, I've been pretty open about those things, but for the most part, um, I, there were things about the prequel trilogy that I kind of went, hmm, but I, I like, 
and I moved on. And there was things about the sequel trilogy, the the, the latest ones, where I was like, hmm. But you know, I'm like, yeah. But yeah. as a package, as a whole, yeah, for me, they've held up. Yeah. So. So would you say then that uh, Star Trek is your favorite sci-fi franchise? Or do you have? Are there other sci-fi stories, books? Oh no, 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 no. For, no. For, no, no, no question that that Star Star Trek is my favorite science fiction franchise. Of course, yeah. of course. What else am I? Of going? course. <laughs> what <Of> second? <laughs> you know, and I and I love how it keeps reinventing itself. I really yes. do. I I love when um there, there there was a juncture when they when they I don't know how you guys refer to it, but when they cast Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto and oh and yeah to play the younger versions of the original cast i i just thought that was a brilliant moment in time mm -hmm. who, i mean who do we thank for that is that um jj abrams or i don't know yeah. I, I, I thought quinto was who, awesome as, as a young spot oh they they did such oh, an amazing, amazing job of casting that. all of the Fun all of them and, and I, i'm a simon Pegg fan so oh <laughs> love simon Pegg. <laughs> yeah but, i mean chris, down pine, from there. chris pine as young kirk was amazing amazing, Spot amazing. On. and yeah. it was so funny seeing him in that and then when um into the woods came out mm -hmm. and he was in a sondheim musical as right. cinderella's prince charming and it's like that was oh so my right. word yeah. <laughs> and it yeah. worked so yeah. perfectly like yeah. oh, he, urban i mean the whole cast yes oh Carl urban. uncanny right. can yes. we get carl urban on the show too <laughs> I felt like Star Trek got sexy back um, with, yeah. with with the music, everything about that film. Gorgeous, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wept. Really well done. I wept in the following film. Wasn't the second, the next film where where Spock, the elder Spock, talks to the young Spock. Mm -hmm. Oh, I know. Yeah. Oh, I thought that was just a stroke of brilliance and mm -hmm. and it was so it. beautifully handled and so well done. Just yeah. elegant, yeah. Yeah. yeah, a nice elegant nod to the to the original. Yeah. So. yeah. Hey, there's somebody else I want to call out, by the way. When I read for it. Star Trek 3, Tim, you did you watch Star Trek 3 or Gambit, you said recently? Uh, three. Me too. One of my favorite scenes is when Mark Leonard, Mark Leonard was so, so good. And he comes in and confronts um, Kirk and, and they do that, they do that moment with the fire in the background and, mm -hmm. and it's on his hands. It's on uh, Sarek's hands on, on Kirk's face and, and his eye. <gasps> oh, yeah, There's yeah. Some moments in films that give you the goose pimples and that, that one. That was one of them, huh? Yeah, yeah you said it. You yeah. said it. beautiful acting. Um, Agreed. Yeah. All right, so, so Robin, we've gotten to a point in our show where uh, as we're getting ready to, to wind up here, we'd like to play a little bit of a quiz with our with our guests. Okay. So we're hoping that, that you'll do this. It's a five-question quiz. I will do it, but prepare to be unimpressed. <laughs> okay. Well, before you get too far in, in expressing your unimpressibility, okay. uh, this is all about Star Trek Three. So hopefully oh. we're, we're giving you a fighting chance. Thank you, Jerry. All right. We're not, we don't yeah. like to make it too difficult, but we like to have a little fun with our guests. So it's a five-question quiz. They're all multiple choice. Okay. okay. Oh, now, if you so if you get three out of five, correct, we'd like to send you one of these really cool I gave to the red shirt widows and orphans fund mugs. Okay. <laughs> yes. If you get four correct, we're going to send you the mug as well as this book, which is custodians of the cosmos, which is written by Drayton <laughs> Allen, the founder oh, of our great. page. Lovely. And uh, the book is about a, a man who wanted to join into Starfleet couldn't make it. So he joined as a custodian to boldly clean up after those who boldly just went. <laughs> and uh, we'll make sure that uh, Drayton sends a, a nice hello written in calligraphy or something in the front of it. Okay, It'll be vandalized fun. either way. Yeah, I have a question. My question is the only one that doesn't indicate what the answer is. So if somebody, <laughs> no more, so if I'm supposed to be like, yes or no, I will not be able to answer that. Okay, I fixed it. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. All right, we'll take that out and post. Okay. Also, before we uh, start the quiz, can I put a plug in here for a second? And you can always edit it out. 
if you if you want to wait a minute, we're going to give you a plug chance to plug anything you got coming up. Oh my God, fabulous! <laughs> yeah, so that's one of our things. We like to make sure that whoever we have on, you've been a, you've been so kind and nice to us to be on and spend your time with us. We're going to give you a chance to shamelessly plug anything you need to shamelessly oh, plug. You. Okay. Okay. Super now, uh, one more thing before we start the game. Uh, so with three questions, you get the mug. Four questions, you get the mug in the book. If you get less than three, so clearly two, uh, <laughs> we're going to take a picture of you and make a meme out of you and, and share it with our Star Trek uh, fan okay. base. Great. Would you be Great. okay with that? We call it a fun yeah. occurrence. Oh, sure. Sure. And if you do get the meme, you're in really Ooh. good company because we only have two people that have ever gotten the meme before. Okay. Right. Because um, only two other people are that. Dan Povenmire. Yeah was Ooh. one of them, Dan Povenmire, the co-creator of Phineas and Ferb, and okay. uh, and Frank Duran, who's uh, the host of a podcast called The Warp Shelf. Okay. Um, oh, actually three, and we just had another one, another gentleman, uh, uh, his name is Jimmy Buys. He's a he's an author. He's on Jeopardy, so we gave him some harder questions. But so you're fault. telling me that the women have escaped to this consequence, this fun yeah. sequence so far. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. We have no familians. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So. Go ahead with the questions. All right. This race was the original villains of Star Trek III before the studio's involvement. A, the Romulans, B, the Dominion, or C, the Zindi? The Romulans, A. You got one. There you Where go. Where did you go? I can't believe it. <laughs> so good. Number two. This character is the only one to utter Commander Krug's name in Star Trek III. A, Klingon, a Klingon officer, B, James T. Kirk, C, Krug's, Krug's love, Valkris. <gasps> Would you like I'm me to read those again? Kirk. B, Kirk. Would you like to try again? It's Valkris, <laughs> isn't it? Yes, right before, right before he shoots her ship after giving her, she gives yeah. him the Genesis information. Yes. So... No, that's okay. I got it wrong. Fair is fair. You're going to get a meme out of this, I think. <laughs> hey, at least yeah. your hair looks good for a meme. It'll be okay. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All right. All Krug, right. to prove to Admiral James T. Kirk that he is an enemy to be taken seriously, orders one of his men to kill one of the prisoners the Klingons are holding on the surface of the Genesis planet. Kill one of them, Krug says. It doesn't matter which. The Klingon warrior is then shown walking behind the prisoners, deciding which person to kill with his knife. True. Whom does the Klingon select to be his victim? A, Captain Esteban. B, David Marcus. C, Savik. Or D, Spock. Well, this is a trick question. Because in my mind, he chooses Savik. But David jumps in front, you know, stops him from... from knifing me and is the one who ends up dying so that would I'm be correct that would be yeah. correct, oh, is correct. Okay. that is who he chose Yay. and then and then david went to fight him to keep him from stabbing you correct. or your character shall we yeah. say you wow. now have two questions correct okay just before the end credits roll a title card appears what does it say a the end b and the adventure continues c to be continued or D, the beginning? I'm going to say B and the adventure continues. Congratulations on your mug. You have escaped oh! the meme world. You are meme free. <laughs> I, listen, I would, let, let's do a meme anyway. <laughs> I told you how much I love you. Yeah, let's do it anyway. What do you we want have one more question. Oh. After David Marcus admits to Lieutenant Savick that Genesis is a failure because of a certain component he used in its makeup. What is the problematic component? A, antimatter. B, protomatter. C, trilithium. Or D, delithium. B, protomatter. It is. You, you get a book, book too. too. But, if you're, you know, but if you're serious about this meme thing, I'm just saying. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. All right. <laughs> what does so it mean? I, How does a meme work? Do I have to move or just, or do you make it move? Me move? I'm, I'm just going to take a picture of you and, and make funny things around you. Okay. So, right. so tell me when. No, I'm just, I'm just shooting photos. Don't worry about it. Just do your thing. <laughs> okay. 
He's just waiting for face. I'll just take one of those 20 and make a meme out of you. It'll yeah, I was going to say, if you can find where one where she doesn't look gorgeous, best of luck to you. Oh, honey, stop. Thanks. Oh, please. <laughs> well, it's not wrong. It, I'm not wrong. She's not wrong. I'm All right. Wrong. So you got four out of five that gets you the book and the mug. And so uh, after we say our goodbyes to the audience, hang out for a couple seconds afterwards and we'll make sure we get your shipping address. We really do want to send those things to you. Okay. Bet, honey. So, all right. Awesome. Robin, thank you so much for being on the show today. You're Could so you welcome. Tell, thank you. Yeah. Can you tell our listeners where they can go to find more about all your previous acting work and what you're doing now? Oh, you're so sweet. Um, I don't know about my previous acting work. I, I, I don't need anybody to do a wild goose, goose chase on that. But I wanted to put in a plug for my friend Hallie Todd. Who, who, now what character did she play? She played something related to, to um, d- data, data, uh, l- like his girlfriend or something. Uh, oh, or yeah. daughter? Could she be his daughter? I got to look it up, actually. To oh, be honest with you. Well, in any case, Hallie Todd wrote a movie with her awesome. husband, Glenn Withrow, and her daughter, Ivy Withrow, called The Last Champion. And it's one of the best films I've ever seen. It came out at Christmas time because it's a wonderful Christmas movie, but you can watch it any time of year. And I just want to put in a plug for Hallie's movie. It's on Amazon Prime, I think. Awesome. And she, she was Ada's daughter. Ada's daughter. High five. I love we're all like frantically Googling. That's Thanks, awesome. Yeah. Thanks listeners for checking it out. And you, okay, could you tell us once again where, where we can find this? I'm sorry. It's, it's, called, it's a film called The Last Champion. It stars Cole Hauser. It's a beautiful movie that Hallie did with her family, Glenn uh, Withrow and Ivy Withrow. Uh, and Hallie stars in it. And, and she's a phenomenal actress. Uh, and so the Star Trek fans are familiar with Hallie. Uh, and uh, I believe it's on Amazon Prime. Amazon just Prime. Google the title, The Last Champion, and you'll, you'll know where to find it. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> it looks like that. Oh, nice. It looks like that. Thanks, guys. That's right. Yay, Google. And then, of course, for Robin's work, you can also go to always go to IMDb imdb.com and that'll have all of her previous acting work and you guys can check out everything she's been in and find it there we will make sure that tim and nick our wonderful man behind the curtain will put the link for hallie's movie in our description as well in addition to the link to your imdb so that people can explore your work because you did so many cool things oh god bless it no no i don't know about that and you know you know there is something else i should say i am a real estate agent and i'm a really good real estate agent so if somebody wanted to was thinking of buying or selling a house and this doesn't matter where where in the country it is call me call me and i will make a referral and i will oversee things with you and be able to bounce ideas um about whether you're buying or selling a home with you. So if somebody wants to work with Robin Curtis to buy or sell a house, I can help them. It doesn't matter if they're in Milwaukee or Santa Fe or, or Seattle, I can help. That is How cool would that be? <laughs> right? I just want to be able to tell somebody I bought a house and Robin Curtis was my real estate yeah, agent. Seriously. <laughs> right. I mean, how cool would it be to say when somebody says, well, who'd you get? You know, because everybody has, you know, I always ask, do you have a real estate agent you recommend? Yeah. Uh, As a matter uh, of fact. I, bought, I bought my house through Savic. She was awesome. Uh, <laughs> Very unemotional Sadek about rocks. the process, which was great. She was able I, just I, to I, lay out everything I needed to know. No emotion whatsoever. It was great. Right. I she said, your most logical choice. <laughs> there you go. There you go. It is logical that you should call. Absolutely. There you go. Thank you. All guys. right. So we want to remind everyone listening that subscribing is the single most important thing you can do to ensure that we get more amazing guests like Robin Curtis and you get funny moments to listen to because Robin had some awesome stories today. Um, So please subscribe to our show. It's going to help more than you're ever going to realize. And be sure to check out Robin's work. If you're not familiar with some of the stuff that she's done before, you kind of need to be. So make sure you do that as well. Okay. And remember, if you're not happy with the content of our videos today, All you have to do is submit in triplicate, of course, because, well, that's only logical. One copy for you, one copy for us, and, of course, one copy for the Federation files. This will be reviewed at our semi-annual bi-quarterly retreat at Mount Silea on planet Vulcan. Except, of course, when Ponfar boils the blood of the male Vulcans and interrupts the schedule. It might be delayed a little bit for that, but I'm sure we'll get it to uh, around to it at the next logical availability. Robin, this has been absolutely delightful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Live long and prosper. Oh, you guys too. God bless.
Live long, love long. <laughs> Tim's just like, I, I, I have thumbs. <laughs> That's how you do it, right? There you, go. you did it, Tim. <laughs> I did it. First I, step I, into becoming a Trekkie. <laughs> you can do it. I've got, I've become Trekkicated. Oh, God. All right. <laughs> Robin, thank you so much. This was awesome. We you really guys. enjoyed your company. And Thanks. goodbye, Bye. everyone. Thanks for watching. Our show is brought to you by our charity sponsor, the Red Shirts Widows and Orphans Fund, which supports the Wish Upon a Teen Foundation that helps out sick kids when they need it most. And just imagine the comfort you'll give Red Shirt crewman number 54. He'll know that when he puts on the red shirt and stands between Godzilla and Kong, 14 minutes after being teleported, that he did not leave his family destitute and without hope, because the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund has his back. And what's left of that tattered shirt? On behalf of the rest of the hosts of Funny Science Fiction, we'd like to thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to be a guest on one of our future episodes, please contact us by means of our Facebook group, Funny Science Fiction. You can find us on Twitter or Instagram using the handle at Funny Sci-Fi, or you can go to DraytonAllen.com and click the contact me link at the bottom of the page. Thanks again. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Copyright 2020 by Drayton Allen. Original music by Jordan Michaels. Reference to any specific product or entity mentioned in this podcast does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation of or by funny science fiction or its sponsors. The views expressed by guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. If you have questions about this disclaimer, please contact us via email at DraytonAllen at DraytonAllen.com.